is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it in for the touchdown. Now, your hosts, Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, Danny Sarek, and Kyle Yeomans. It is a chilly Tuesday edition of Talking Cowboys as we continue to sift through the Dallas Cowboys offseason and get you ready for a couple of the monumental milestones of that offseason coming up. The NFL Draft less than 10 days away, and we're going to do our best to get you set up for it. Kyle Yeomans alongside... Heckma Harrison, the great Rob Phillips, and we're now joined by a little bit of football lore. It's it's about time that we get a former player on Talking Cowboys again, and uh, we've got a former quarterback back in college at the University of Washington, a fourth-round draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys, played professional wide receiver, uh, Isaiah Stanback. Welcome to Talking Cowboys, Isaiah. Man, I appreciate y'all having me on. How y'all doing? Doing good. Doing great, and of course we're we're happy to have you. And most recently, you were with the Dallas Renegades and a, a community outreach manager over there. But we're happy to have you here on the NFL side of things and uh, getting to break down really what this off season has meant for the Dallas Cowboys. And as a former player yourself, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot early if that's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go straight after it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure. Right off the bat, and that's all, that's what we're here for. We're not here to mess around. But I wanted to get your opinion on this Dallas Cowboys offseason and kind of the moves that they've made with some of the veterans that they've brought in. And as a former player, is this something that is pushing them to being a better team than they were in 2019? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously a lot of people tend to focus on the talent that's been added, right? A lot of people always focus on the players and the veterans and the big name uh, recruits that you can can pull in that you can get the big contracts for. And... You know, as a former player, I recognize that that's important, obviously, you know, getting those big-time guys in. But I recognize that also the, the development of players is just as important, if not more important. So, honestly, me personally, I like the coaches that have come in. I like that coaching change. Um, obviously, Garrett was there for a number of years, but now you brought in McCarthy. Uh, you know, his excellence that he brings in, and obviously the guys that he has underneath him, you know, the Philbins, the, you know, the, the Marcus Pollards, the, you know, the Ryans, all these guys are, that are coming in, you know, either have been to Super Bowls or have been connected to Super Bowl organizations in some form or fashion. So I'm really excited about uh, the, the support system that they put around these players because, you know, as, as mentioned before on the show, you know, the cap space isn't going to allow for them to get all the depth that they really want. So they need to be able to develop some young talent. And, of course, with such a, an experienced coaching staff, it's going to add to what has been a wild offseason and kind of the craziness that yeah. not only COVID-19 has kind of put around uh, really the last couple of months, but also yeah. moving forward and some of the uncertainty. And we're going to get into a little bit of that here in just a moment. And, Rob, uh, I know you being a part of DallasCowboys.com, you've heard about this as well. And there was a piece written last night by, by Johnny on our website who – uh, kind of broke down some of these dates uh, that have kind of been at least ironed out a little bit whenever it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and, and really the NFL offseason in general. But there are some of those dates that kind of stick out. What are some things that you've seen that kind of intrigues you a little bit? Because I know teams with new coaches can start as soon as tomorrow, correct? Yeah, and, and I think all teams, I believe, can can disperse virtual playbooks and, and things of that nature to try to get a jump start on some of the learning part. Uh, but there's a virtual period right now that the league and the NFLPA have agreed upon for basically the next three weeks, starting April 20th for all teams through May 15th, where it allows teams to basically do a virtual program, starting with some off-season work and some, some online instruction. And then after that, Assuming you can get back into your building, which is obviously far from a certainty, May 15th, that's when you would hope an in-person off-season program can start for every team and every team can hit the ground running. Obviously, we don't know with COVID-19 what's going to be allowed there. And the other caveat with that, Kyle, is that all teams 
no matter where they are in the United States, they've got to be in a situation where they can open their facilities. And if they can't, if one team can't, then none can. So it's, you know, the Cowboys are yet with the new coaching staff can get a little bit of a head start. But, it, you know, there's really no question that it's a disappointment. It's a disadvantage for every team right now. And I would say the Cowboys in particular, just because to what Isaiah said, it's a new coaching staff. It's a new group that's trying to lay the, the foundation for their program. And to not have that in-person contact, just to not be able to be in the building and get around the guys, it, it's a difficult situation. And it kind of seems like there's a lot going on whenever it, it, it kind of, as a player, you're you're supposed to be working out, you're supposed to be kind of getting into game shape or at least getting into off-season shape and building up toward 2020. It's kind of tough to do that kind of thing. And heck, I know you as a former player as well have kind of had to deal with that and, and kind of at least not necessarily this kind of scenario where you're forced to stay inside, but what are some of the ways that some of these players can at least get out and get some training done? Well, Kyle, listen, I don't want to gloss over the fact that I'm on with Isaiah Stanback. Mama, I made it, okay? <laughs> I just got to say that right off the top. I'm a big uh, Huskies fan, man, so I'm really – I don't want to take this show off the rails, but I got to say how <laughs> excited I am to be on with you, man. Uh, but, you know, look, nothing beats football like football. And when you talk about what we're doing – and I read Johnny's article. It was a great article, by the way, just talking about – some of the hurdles that the Cowboys are going to have to jump and climb in order to get this season going. And you're right, Rob, if it doesn't work for one team, it's not going to work for any team. And that handicaps the Cowboys the most. I mean, I, I, one of the guys that really is not enjoying this social distancing is Coach Mike McCarthy. He has got to yeah. be really upset about what's going on because it doesn't, you know, for a guy like him that already comes in with an enormous amount of pressure on him to have a successful season, he wants to get this playbook going, wants to get everything, you know, get these guys acclimated uh, with his rules, his playbook, and, and all of that. But, again, as far as, you know, the virtual the virtual workouts and things like that, I mean, it just sounds like a bunch of guys going to be doing P90X, you know, <laughs> for the next couple of months. If that's, but, and that's why I say nothing beats football like football. And, Isaiah, you know it, man. When you come in from the offseason, you know, most coaches, man, they give you that coach's handshake where they shake your hand, they put the hand on your trap, then they grab your shoulder, then they grab your tricep, they fill you up to make sure you've been working out. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of that going on. And I just think that the, the condition coach – he man, he, that guy has his work cut out for him trying to monitor these guys and get them ready. You know, there are not a lot of guys out here that you know are, are the T Terrell Owens of the league that slept in Harvard Barrett Chambers and stuff like that. So you're going to really have to monitor guys and make sure that they come into uh, camp OTAs two a days whenever that gets started in shape. And to, and to your point, man, to be honest with you, the staff that they have in place right now for the strength and conditioning program is bar none. It's second to none. I mean, yeah, Marcus Paul, Marcus Paul, who was actually one of my, my assistant strength coach when I won the Super Bowl with the Giants. And then you have Harold Nash, who was my assistant strength coach when I was with the New England Patriots. So you have guys that have been with two great organizations, guys who are very experienced, guys who have been around success, won Super Bowls, who know exactly what they're doing. So if there's anybody who's, um, who can handle this situation, it's those two gentlemen right there. That's interesting you said that, Isaiah, because Marcus Paul's been around Mike Wojcik for years in different mm -hmm. spots, won yep. championships, and he was kind of groomed for this opportunity. Um, so I think that is an advantage, and that he's, he's a hire that maybe didn't get as much attention as some of the other hires on, on Mike McCarthy's staff. But you brought up a good point earlier, and by the way, we were talking off air. I was around you briefly when you were in with the Cowboys in the mid-2000s, and it's amazing how time flies, where Tony, Rom <laughs> Tony Romo's get his big contract a dozen years ago, and he's the elite and all that, and now Dak's in the same situation trying to get paid too. Um, but you brought up a good point in terms of once this thing does get rolling with a new coaching staff, with a new voice, sometimes that can lead to extra wins. I mean, we saw it when Bill Parcells came in 15 years ago, and when you came in to Dallas, it was the Wade Phillips show. And I, players said players that you, you were a rookie, I believe, that season, but players that, that came in or that were already there would, would tell you we kind of needed a new voice. And at least for a year or two, yeah, I, th I think it made a difference. And may maybe that will be a, you know, a good thing for this team here. 
Yeah, I believe so. I think it's a totally different voice. Obviously, I haven't had uh, Mike McCarthy as a, as a coach personally, uh, but I'm, I'm very familiar with his uh, with his uh, tenure um, as, as a coach. And I, I, I did experience Garrett, so I understand how guys are going to feel coming off of uh, that regime. So I believe that it will be a huge relief. I, I do believe that with this staff that they have in place, with the coaches they have, like Skip Pete, you know, he was a running back coach yeah. when I was here in Dallas, you know, coaching Marion Barber and Julius Jones and all these guys. And, you know, he's all about having fun. I think that this coaching yeah. staff is going to be a lot more um, lenient in regards to having a personality, um, but strict in regards to expectations and, uh, and, and the performance on the field. Well, and I think also whenever you talk about the coaching staff this year compared to last year, I think if any if you ask any or poll any Cowboys fan or anybody who covers the Cowboys, I think you're going to look at a potential victory for this coaching staff over last year's coaching staff on who you would rather be dealing with this sort of pandemic situation where you are kind of limited in what you're able to do, even though it is a new voice, which is a a pro and a con at the same time, I I think you would still rather have this coaching staff deal with this type of uh, issue and this type of situation with our world right now rather than maybe even the coaching staff from last year. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy it's crazy circumstances for everyone, and that's why I think that all uh, NFL teams are having this pandemic is going to have an adverse effect on the product that's on the field in the fall. And so we look at this kind of maybe short sighted right now, but just think about the time that's put in in the off season with quarterback camps and things like that. Uh, a lot of teams are having to struggle, and again, I, I think that the the most important note uh, there is the fact that if there's one facility or one uh, team that isn't ready to get started because of the pandemic, then no one is going to be able to get started. So there aren't going to be any advantages to this at all. But, you know, look, you bring up a really great you know, point that having a new voice in Dallas and what Mike McCarthy's effect going to be, Isaiah, when you allude to just that championship experience, I think that alone uh, is going to set the player's mind at ease because these guys have been there and done that. And especially, I mean, you bring up an absolutely wonderful point with Skip Pete and his experience with running backs, Tyrone Wheatley, Marion Barber, Murray, uh, all of that is going to have an effect on this team and maybe, again, get these guys that playing at a high level and having fun again. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, yeah, I just, you know, as being a former player, having those coaches that have been there, you know, when you're actually, I think anybody, right, any professional, right, when you have, to, when you're sitting and you're listening to advice from somebody, from somebody as a coach or somebody as a leader, um, regarded as a leader, you want to know that they've been there. You want to know exactly. that they've been through. You want to know that they've been through the trials. You don't want somebody who's coaching, coaching you through something that they just read, <laughs> right? Um, no. not, not, not to say that that you can't do that. There's plenty of people who have been very successful doing that. But as yeah. a mentor, as a mentor, and as a you know, obviously that in this particular profession, you want to you want to look at your coach and respect them in regards and just know that hey, they've been there. What they're telling me is not something that they heard from you know That's from right. two uncles ago. This is something that they live. <laughs> this is something that they live and that they experience right. and that they can really hand down true knowledge to you and that they're going to be calm and confident in the stance that they know that hey this is where we're at right now i'm telling you where we're going to go we will get there but there's going to be steps to get there absolutely well now our fans don't go for it rob well that to isaiah's point that was the first thing out of dak prescott's mouth when he was interviewed at the super bowl about mike mccarthy coming in he said he's got a ring and and i want one of those and that wasn't a knock on jason garrett jason garrett won titles was on Super Bowl teams in the 90s. Uh, yeah. But with a coaching change, you know, he's coached Aaron Rodgers. He's coached Brett Favre. He's coached Joe Montana 25, 30 years ago, however long. It was a long time ago. But he's been around guys, that, quarterbacks that have won big, and he's won big himself. And I think that, yeah, that definitely does carry some weight. I think it carries some weight. And the fact that now collectively as Talking Cowboys, we all have a combined one Super Bowl ring just with Isaiah being on the show at the moment. <laughs> Nobody has to. Nobody has to worry about where they're getting their information from because we've been there before, right? As a show, I mean, it's it's automatic though. World uh, champions. <laughs> but uh, just by by association. But kind of going back to Dak Prescott there a little bit, and I'm intrigued to hear uh, both Hekma and Isaiah's kind of because uh, Rob and I have talked about this before. But their mindset around kind of his situation right now, of course, with all of the the meetings and the virtual kind of off-season that the NFL is having right now, where does the leverage lie for for Dak Prescott in terms of trying to get a long-term deal done before July 15th? 
Isaiah, I'll let you take that, man. <laughs> uh, in terms of leverage, um, that's, that's an intriguing question. It's hard. You know, obviously, the, in the position that he's in right now, we know that he's going to get a deal. No question about it. Uh, you, know, you don't. You don't franchise tag your your franchise quarterback. You just you just don't do it, right? Um, and they're doing it to buy time, obviously. And he will get his deal. So I don't think there's any question there. I don't think there's any uh, stress on his part in terms of getting the numbers that he wants. He will get that. Um, if things were different right now and, and there was no pandemic going on and things were normal, I really don't think. I think if anything, it might have happened quicker, right? I think they would have they would have eyes on him. They would be able to see exactly what he's doing. Um, there's no secret as to why he's posting some work and things of that nature. He, he wants people to see, right? He wants he wants some leverage in that regard. So I think that the deal probably would have been done by now had this not been going on. But it, it doesn't it doesn't prevent the fact that it's going it's going to happen. Yeah, I want uh, I want Rob to tell me about Dak's party because I know that Rob Phillips was there. I know his wife sent him to get Pampers. His wife sent him to get Pampers, and he, and he had to swing by Dak's house to get to the party. Uh, just, I was just, not there. Just, I was sheltering in place. Good. You got a two-month-old baby. Your wife didn't let you go anywhere except to hey, get Pampers and come I'm right just, back home. I'm poking you, man. I'm poking you, but you. I mean, look. The, the leverage, I think a lot of that, you know, again, if, if you know, all things being considered that there isn't a pandemic and if there was any type of holdout for Dak in the offseason where he didn't come in, I think the sense of urgency to get the deal done would been would have been heightened. Uh, I think because of that, I mean, not to say, and I don't want to, you know, kind of frame this as him losing leverage. I just think that leverage kind of changes in a way because mm-hmm. of these unique circumstances. Um, but. You know, I think from Dak, even with what he's been showcasing through social media and just saying that, look, man, I'm trained and I got this arm, this gun ready to go for you guys as soon as you're ready for me. Um, He's got to be excited about McCarthy. He's he's gone over the film. He knows exactly what he does with quarterbacks. That's who he is. He's a quarterback guru. And when you start talking about the Montanas of, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, that's, you know, enough said. And so I know that Dak is excited. I know this. This contract part of it is just a part of the business. And so, and you're right, Isaiah, no one franchises their franchise quarterback this way. And so, it, it, you know, the, the waters were muddied probably weeks ago when everybody was talking about the DAC countdown and all that. Some of that has subsided through the media, but it's still got to be foremost on the Cowboys' mind to get this done because we need DAC with McCarthy having the same brain so that that can be translated to on-field production. And so, you look, at this point, you know, again, we see this, in my opinion, I think it's just a matter of time before we see this deal get done. I think that's a great point because you also don't know with the ever-changing dates and kind of the landscape of how this offseason is being handled throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, it's kind of uncertain on when you should get a deal done. Now, July 15th seems like a pretty set-in-stone concrete date, but you never know. That could be pushed back, and and kind of certain things could play into that. So I think if I'm in front office, I want to get things done a little bit sooner rather than later. But we're going to talk about Dak Prescott and really this uh, overall draft coming up in the uh, later parts of this show. But we're going to step aside here for just a moment, our first break here on Talking Cowboys. When we come back, we got a debut of a brand new segment. It's a working title, so if you have a title for it, go ahead and tweet at us because I don't know what it is, and I'm, I have come up with nothing good. It's called Talking Percentages at the moment. I'll explain it when we come back here on Talking Cowboys on DallasCowboys.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? 
Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back to Talkin' Cowboys. Segment number two here of Talking Cowboys here on a chilly Tuesday morning. Kyle Yeomans, Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, Isaiah Stanback here with you. And do want to remind you, I talked about this a little bit last week, but of course the Cowboys celebrating their 60th birthday in their 60th season in 2020. And the party doesn't have to stop just because we're all virtual. Main event has putting the it has been putting together something really special. They've had an Instagram every day at 2 p.m. called Birthday With Me to celebrate all of the birthdays out there during this quarantine and shelter-in-place type of time. They've got candles. They've got cakes. They sing happy birthday to you, everything you need. So go online, follow Main Event on Instagram, and then tune into their live story every day at 2 o'clock Central Time to celebrate with the others that have birthdays on those respective days. And I got an email this week. I told Heckma about this, but I'm going to be a special guest on one of their uh, one of their main event birthday days because mine's coming up in the, the next couple of weeks. So that'll be a ton of fun with our friends over at main event. So uh, looking forward to that, but I'm also looking forward to this. So this is a, a new segment here on Talking that we're going to kind of try and put together and kind of piece together a name for it. Like I said, it's a working work in progress name. Right now it's called Talking Percentages. And ultimately, the rules go kind of like buy or sell. You see buy or sell in really every form of media, sports media out there. I give a statement, and each of us are going to give our percentage, 0 to 100, 100 being you're 100% certain that this is going to happen in 2020 or whatever the scenario may be. So there's that's kind of the, the premise of the rules. I've got three statements, and we're going to roll through them pretty quickly here. But the first one... And we're going to start with Rob, just because Rob is our insider, DallasCowboys.com, and I just want to hear his, his Blake Jarwin opinion here, because I know you're a big Blake Jarwin fan down there, Mr. Rob oh, Phillips. Yes. Absolutely. So I'm going to go, this first statement is Blake Jarwin will be a 1,000-yard receiver in 2020. And just a reminder, he's had no more than 365 yards in a season. Well, for such a fan that I am of his game, I don't sound like it when I put 40% on that. I go under 50% because of what you just said. I mean, he, he hasn't had that type of production. Now, a lot of it comes down to just simple playing time. He got, I believe, close to 40% of the offensive snaps last year playing behind Jason Witten. Now he's got a clear path as it stands right now before the draft being the starter. Mm-hmm at tight end so let's just say he doubles his playing time and he gets 80 percent of the snaps this coming season then okay if he doubles his production then he's still you know he's in the 700 yard range something like that there's just so many weapons on this cowboys offense and they could add more if they add a wide receiver in the draft uh it's, it's hard for me to see that but i think he's got a chance with more playing time to definitely be a more productive player all right isaiah I'm going to come underneath the 40. I'm going to go to 30 uh, percent. I just don't see it happening. I think, especially, um, he, he's still young. He still has a lot of learning to do. Obviously, in this system, I think he'll get the ball a lot more than he has. Uh, but in this conference, it's, it's pretty physical. So I don't think that they're going to allow somebody to come off the line and run around for a thousand yards throughout the season. Wow, man. So, look, I don't want to go lower than 30 um, <laughs> percent. I, I have a, when you start talking about, you know, a thousand yard tight end, that's putting him in the Shannon Sharp, Jason Witten, you know, Tony Gonzalez mm-hmm. stratosphere, the Rob Gronkowski's of the league. And look, you when you go, you, the history of 
um, McCarthy's offense is he hasn't had a tight end that has eclipsed a thousand yards in his system. And so um, even with guys like, you know, I mean, Jermichael Finley uh, in that offense who really had some really some really pretty good years. Um, and you got to know also with Mike McCarthy's offense, you know, one of the, the, the smartest guys, two of the smartest guys on the field for, for him is his quarterbacks and his tight ends because of the variations of formation. I think with Cooper and um, Gallup, that's going to bring a lot for uh, Blake Jarwin. I just don't think that that is going to accumulate 1,000 yards for him. Now, if you ask that question, 1,000 yards for the tight end group, then I would say, yeah, 100%, because Jarwin wow. Bell and whomever else they bring in, you know, I think collectively as a, you know, as a room, these guys have 1,000 yards together. But I just, you know, if, if Jarwin, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope we come back to this five months or six months from now, and he's, you know, there. We come back to the end of the season. And, and he's at 1,000 yards because if he does it, if, if Jarwin has 1,000 yards, Cooper has 1,000 yards, Ezekiel Elliott has 1,000 yards, Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, like, that, means, that means we're unstoppable. And so, I mean, I just think that that's a stretch to say that he'll be that one guy that, you know, yeah. he'll have 1,000 yards. Hey, the schedule and I think, comes out in May. The schedule comes out in May. If they get the Giants 16 times, I, <laughs> I, I 100% on Blake Jarwin getting 1,000 yards because every time he balls out against them. But that's not going to happen. That's a very good point. Now, I'm going to agree, but I'm going to disagree with Heckman at the same time because I'm going to kind of put my – I'm going to put 35% on this. I think that's where my my overall is going to be with his percentage. But I also – you said I hope to see Blake Jarwin get 1,000 yards. Now, I don't think he's going to be – in that kind of category, just because I think he's splits, he's going to split a little bit more time than we even see with Blake Bell kind of being in the mix as well. And then also, you could see a tight end drafted by this squad next week as well. So I think you might have two other guys kind of in that mix at the tight end position. So I think if we see Blake Jarwin get to a thousand yards, he would have to be absolutely dominant no matter what. And I don't want it to take away from this offense overall because we should see maybe another receiver being added uh, through the draft. So you're you add that to with Michael me. Gallup and Amari Cooper. So I'm just saying I I don't know if I want Blake Jarwin to be a thousand yard tight end. There was only three last year. Now to your credit, Heckman, two of those did end up making the Super Bowl: Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Uh, the just other saying. one was Darren Waller. So I mean, those are three tight ends that are legitimate guys, but. I don't know. I don't necessarily see Blake Jarwin kind of being in that realm. I agree. I mean, I, I like I said, if, if he does, I, I said collectively as a group. Uh, but Jarwin, think okay. about it, man. And, and Rob, you know, I know you're a big fan of him, and you've you know written countless articles of, articles about his potential. I mean, he's a guy that's that has been eating off of that potential plate for a long time. And and as an organization, beat writers and everyone close to the Cowboys have always said the kind of player that he is and the kind of leadership that he potentially embodies. And so this is a I wouldn't say a make or break year, but I. Look Look for this year to be a breakout year for him because mm-hmm. you got to know that defenses are still going to roll coverages t- towards Cooper. Uh, you know, Gallup can also be that guy. Both Cooper and Gallup are going to take the the top off of defenses. And then look, you you go back and you look at everything that's happening underneath. Uh, Blake Jarwin is that tight end that gets that yak. You know, after uh, after catch. So look, I'm looking forward to him in this offense to having a significant you know production. But I just don't think it'll. Be be a thousand yards and I think yards after the catch is probably a better statistic for Blake Jarwin than total yards whenever the 2020 season comes to an end because right now I mean in 2019 he had 11.8 yards per catch 11.4 in 2018 so if he gets up to 12 and he's still giving that kind of production with more stats then all of a sudden you're talking about him as one of the the at least top half of the tight ends in the NFL. So moving on to our to our second question, Isaiah is going to start things off on this oh, one. All right. So defense. I know you weren't a defensive guy, but will the or the defense will have ten plus interceptions in twenty twenty? I get that one hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, I get that one hundred percent. I think that the move that they made. Um, this this off season, obviously um, they have Xavier Woods, and obviously they have um, they brought in uh, Haha Clinton Dix, and I think that you know with their quarterback coach, right, with their secondary coach uh, Al Harris, think about the way that he played. 
right, when he was with Green Bay. And he was an in-your-face, uh, put-your-hands-on-you, you're not letting you off the line type of guy. I think that, along with the front seven that the Cowboys are going to be bringing this year, obviously with the additions of Bo, uh, Poe and uh, McCoy and plugging it up and being able to really force uh, close in on the pocket, I think that there's going to be some problems uh, for for receiving cores and, and tight ends in this in this um, with this defense. So I believe that the Cowboys definitely will have 10 interceptions, I think just purely off of pressure um, and coverage sacks. I like that. Kind of adding to the front side of your defense to make the back side of the defense a little bit better. And, and just for reference, the last time the Cowboys did have double-digit interceptions, 2017, and they had 10 exactly, and that was tied for 24th. They had 9 in 2018. They had 7 last year. We've talked about that 7 number quite a bit. But, Rob, what do you kind of think in, in terms of this? So we've got Isaiah saying 100%. Are you as confident? I'm confident. I'm not 100%. I would say 75%. That's where I'm at right now. If Mike Nolan heard this question right now, he'd be like, seriously? We can only get 10 interceptions? That's all I can get from my defense yeah. in year one? Because if you look at the NFL stats year after year, if, if you're only getting 10 interceptions, you're in the near the very bottom of the league. I mean, most teams are at double digits, if not 27, 28 of the 32 teams. Cowboys, I went a little further back, Kyle, and they've – They've gotten 10-plus picks 12 out of the last 20 years. So most of the time mm. they get them. And even last year, I know we've talked a lot about the lack of takeaways from this Cowboys defense, and rightfully so. They have not ranked near the top of the league in years in taking the ball away, but they still got nine last year. And I think I think what, what Isaiah said spot on, being a little bit more multiple with your defense, maybe being playing a little less straight up with things, could create some more turnovers, some more takeaways, and I, I think they'll get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there at 100% as well. Like you said, Rob, that was my point. Uh, also, just looking over the league and looking at the teams that, you know, that have had more success with less talent uh, than we had, you know, with, with, their, with their takeaways. And again, it, you bring up a really great point as far as what they've uh, incorporated into their front, front four uh, with McCoy and Poe, uh, being able to apply pressure uh, to those offenses. So, look, I, 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 there's no way uh, that the Cowboys do worse than they did last year at least again I'm hopeful and definitely optimistic that they don't um, and just knowing that again with the additions of guys like Al Harris you're going to see those little nuances be incorporated into the defensive backfield not to say that the DB coach last year didn't have that same uh, thing in his wheelhouse I just think that it's going to be a different style uh, of play uh, that we that we incorporate this year. I think the Cowboys will amongst the league at the bottom of the league as far as blitzes and just again when you apply that pressure it forces the hand of quarterbacks to make quick decisions and that's how those interceptions happen and when you get bigger up front with guys like McCoy and Poe you know their tip passes things that happen in that passing game for offenses that allow for guys to get those easy picks and with Clinton Dix again the addition that you know that he's a guy that's going to gamble and take those chances and not play safe. And I think Al Harris as a coach is going to get that. I mean, and another thing I want to point out is that when, you know, McCarthy won a championship in Green Bay, I mean, he had free agent guys. I mean, you, uh, Sam Shields, uh, Tremont Williams, guys like that, that played a really big role in those championships. Charles Woodson, you know, as well. So hopefully we have that same kind of combination or, or chemistry between these guys that can far exceed, you know, 10, 20. I'm looking for 20. Uh, 20 interceptions this year from that group. All right, guys. Let's settle down a little bit because I have it at 30%. Oh. I'm taking a page out of Mickey Spagnola's notebook and the fact that oh, you don't necessarily know exactly what this team has right now. At this very moment, as we speak on April 14th, 2020, we don't know who is going to be the the star of the defense. I know you, you – I mean, I guess other than Tank. You can you can write Tank Lawrence in there. You don't have a right defensive end at the moment. You still got to get Randy Gregory and Alden Smith uh, reinstated by the NFL. You've got two aging veterans up front. You, could they be really good and could they be better than last year? Probably. I would probably put them in that category. But until we see what this draft class is, because right now with the draft class, it's not necessarily shaping up in the fact that you're going to get a top 10 
player in the or a top twenty player in the draft. You may have to reach a little bit on a corner. You may have to reach a little bit on a safety, depending on what happens in the first sixteen picks before you get to pick seventeen. I don't. I'm not confident in this defense right now. You add Ha Ha Clinton Dix at the safety position. Sure, that's a little bit of an upgrade. From Jeff Heath, maybe. I mean, that's the fact that that's a maybe is kind of scary to me as well whenever it's moving forward. The one thing that gives me hope is Mike Nolan. I mean, the fact that the coaching staff is different from Rod Marinelli's staff, and I think overall I think that's something that could push us to double digits. I'm just not super certain about it yet. Now, ask me in two weeks. Let me, let me look at what this draft class is, and I think maybe then I might be willing to raise it up a little bit more, but I'm on the, the opposite end of the 100%. Maybe not the full opposite end, but I'm just not 100% or as high as you guys are in that category, hey, at least at the moment. Hey, Rob. Oh, that's he, fine. Yeah. Rob, he hit us with the Mickey. He hit us with, he hit us with the, I don't think <laughs> he so. Mickey, he brought him back into, hey, you know what? If, if you're going off of Mickey's philosophy, he always says, well, why are guys available in free agency? Well, Byron Jones is available. Obviously, he wasn't that good, right? I don't agree with that. They're going to they're gonna miss Byron yeah. Jones, but but yep. make good. I mean, you're right, Kyle. There are question marks, but there, there's know. a ton of question I marks. Ten, I don't think tens tends too much to ask. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun to to look at. Okay, final question before we head to our second break. And this one kind of goes back to the first question, but I think this one might be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe more likely we'll see in just a second. But Tony Pollard, our backup running back slash connoisseur of things out of the backfield. Mr. Tony Pollard has 1,000 total yards in 2020. Now, that's receiving. That's rushing. Last year, he had 455 yards rushing on 86 carries. He had 15 receptions for 107 yards. So, just under 600 yards. Can he get to that 1,000-yard plateau come 2020? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start this off. I'm, I'm going to say I'm 80% sure that Tony Pollard can get that done. Coming out of Memphis, he was touted as a guy that definitely did more in the passing game for the Memphis Tigers. I know a lot has been made of, you know, Cobb going to Houston and how we're going to go into the draft and find a young, talented guy, which I'm sure we will. Uh, but we may have the answer to that already on our team uh, and Tony Pollard. I think that when you look at the evolution of the running back position with, you know, with Christian McCaffrey, uh, and you see that there are a lot of demands on the running backs to to do a lot in the passing game. I think that you'll see that with Tony Pollard this year. And then look, this is not a new phenomenon. Guys like Marshall Falk, Roger Craig, you know, that played the position and they did a lot in the passing games when, especially when their teams went to those empty sets. I think Tony Pollard is going to present uh, a challenge. Anytime you have an off-ball uh, linebacker on a guy like Tony Pollard, he's going to present a problem. And, and especially, and not to diminish or make light of what he is in the running game as well. He's very explosive. So I think he can do a thousand yards easy this year. All right, Rob. I, I'm. My question is: Is he going to play enough? And because. I think he was at less than 20% of the offensive snaps last year. And with a new coaching staff, maybe that changes. But because we haven't seen that, I'm, I'm less bullish on that, heck. I'm, I'm at like 30%. Okay. And I think okay. he's got the capability to do it. Because like you said, even though he, didn't, he wasn't that uh, high of a playing time last year, I think he still almost got 600 total you know, all-purpose yards. But mm-hmm. with Zeke there, and, and if, if Zeke indeed is going to be this – huge still focus of the running game like like McCarthy says he will be and I, I have no reason to believe he wouldn't be uh, I think it's still going to cap Pollard's role a little bit in addition kind of like what we said about Jarwin just so many other weapons on offense I think that's a tall task although you know if you factor in what he could do in the in the return game as well maybe that bumps that total up a little bit even though he hasn't been a punt returner and the people you know when I've talked to people in the organization it's not something you just throw somebody out there to return punts it's not something he's done um but even with the kickoff returns maybe he could he could jack that total up a little bit but i, I don't know i think that this one make, made me make the most pause kyle this is a good one but i, I i'm 30 percent or so all right isaiah i'm gonna go right down the middle i'm gonna go at 50 percent. and the reason being is 
you don't know how Coach McCarthy plans on utilizing, uh, how, how he plans on utilizing his, his weapons, right? And, and if you're in the NFL, right, and I think this kind of gets overlooked in terms of because you have so many big names, you have so many superstars um, that kind of kind of take the take the reign. But if you're in the NFL, you're, you, you deserve to be there, and you have a huge skill set. And obviously there's no question, you haven't heard everybody's opinion already, um, Paula, he, there's no question whether or not he can run the ball, there's no question whether or not he can tote the ball, uh, receive, uh, return. He has all those skills, but we don't know how McCarthy plans on utilizing him. We don't know how he plans on splitting time with Zeke. We don't know if he's going to go do a lot more two-back in terms of utilizing the fullback like he's done in the past. So just from the standpoint of we don't know how they're going to utilize their personnel, I can't go either way on it. I'm going to go right down the middle because if they utilize him, we all, he'll get a 1,000. You know, If they don't utilize him the way in which we know he can be um, used and how a lot of coaches choose not to use their talent that they that they have on the rosters, then, then he won't get there. So it's really all in the, in the hands of the coaches I think as a player I think he'll he'll take care of business whatever opportunities are presented to him and I think some of the reasons that you have in terms of keeping it 50-50 are some of the reasons why I have it a little bit higher I think I've, I, I like the fact that you have a new coaching staff a new set of eyes that come in and kind of evaluate that talent now they haven't had a chance to really evaluate that talent yet so of course with the situation that we're in it's going to have to kind of rely on maybe training camp and some of the other workouts that are going to happen throughout the course of the offseason before they really get a feel for who Tony Pollard is. But you talked about the 600 total yards last year, all purpose. You've got 455 yards rushing. I don't see that really taking a huge jump. I mean, you can maybe get to 500, 600, but he had 86 total carries. If he gets 100, you're, you're knocking on the door of 600. But I think he could double or get even more than double of his receptions. He had only 15 receptions last year. This is a guy who... A lot of people, when he was being drafted out of Memphis, had listed as a wide receiver. I think he's going to be utilized in the passing game a little bit more. So I'm going to say 70%. I think he's going to add some more receiving yards. He only had 107 last year. I think he could bump that up close to 300. And then I also think, depending on if he can get 15, 20 more carries, he could maybe start to find a little bit of a rhythm as a backup running back and be utilized in that offense and maybe a dual backfield. We were kind of clamoring for that last year as well. So uh, at least at the moment, Rob believes that it's more likely that Blake Jarwin gets 100 yards or 1,000 yards in the season than than, uh, than we've got Tony Pollard getting 1,000 yards. I didn't expect that one, Rob. Well, to, to your point, Kyle, um, well, Kellen Moore is still the OC, so mm-hmm. there is some carryover to last season. But Kellen Moore may, may very well look back and say we didn't use him enough, and maybe Jason Garrett had a had a hand in that as well in how he was used. But you go back and look at his usage, his touches game to game is kind of puzzling at times. I mean, he would have a, a big game, and then he might have two or three touches the following week. It was like he was and a lot of times he was used. When they had a lead and they were able to salt away games in the fourth quarter and give right. Zeke a break, that was when he was really used. But you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was practically a wide receiver at Memphis. He does have those type of skills. And I think he'll be utilized a little bit more, and hopefully they'll be running the ball a little bit more with him at the end of games this year because they'll be winning and trying to, to chew some clock. So hopefully that'll, that'll move forward that number as well. So that's going to do it for our first edition of Talking Percentages. I've got all of the percentages that were said <laughs> written down. We're going to keep each other accountable on exactly like what we say throughout the course of a season so that way we can go back and laugh at our mistakes and and celebrate our our victories as well but go ahead and tweet us questions if you've got questions out there for the fans that you you want to be kind of discussed and and given percentages over tweet us at talking cowboys and we'll we'll get through some of those as well but when we come back we're going to talk about that nfl draft less than 10 days away we'll talk about some of the pressure that's on this front office and this coaching staff as we roll along here on this edition of talking cowboys Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. 
Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back to Talking Cowboys. Final segment here of Talking Cowboys here on this Tuesday morning. And do want to remind you about the Dallas Cowboys Star Magazine Draft Guide. It's featured online right now in an exciting new look the guide includes all the information and analysis that you're going to need for the Cowboys' upcoming draft just nine days away. Get your digital copy today for $4.95, and you can go online and find out more on DallasCowboys.com forward slash star. Rob Phillips has some writing in it. David Hellman, myself, Nick Eatman, Mickey Spagnola. We've got it all covered whenever it comes to the NFL draft, and we'll continue to get you ready for that as well. So with the draft kind of being talked about, really solely in the world of sports. It's one of the few things that you can talk about at the moment. It kind of puts that pressure on us to kind of put out some of that that top-notch media content for all of the, the fans out there. But also, I think the pressure solely lies on what is needed to be one of the best Cowboys draft classes that you've seen in recent memory with kind of the holes that there are on defense, with the money that's invested on offense. There's kind of that that teeter-totter back and forth between you need young contracts, talented contracts, to be able to, to compete at a, a high level and try and get to that Super Bowl that you've been alluded from over the past 25 years. So that kind of brings the question to... Who has more pressure at this moment, guys, whenever you're talking about the NFL draft? Mike McCarthy and his coaching staff, the scouting department, or the front office are the three that I've kind of want to talk about or talk about here in the next 12 minutes or so. But let's start with Mike McCarthy. This is a guy who wasn't necessarily involved in the Green Bay's draft process, but now he comes and he's now the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most polarizing figures in sports. What kind of pressure is he dealing with heading into next Thursday? Uh, personally, I could take that one, man. I personally think that he's going to be good. I think that he's prepared. I think he's probably more prepared than any other coach in the league, honestly. I mean, you think about what he's been doing over the past year. He's been sitting and preparing. <laughs> he's literally, that's all he's been doing is preparing. You know, he's been sitting in there. He has been well documented that he's been sitting there with his staff and, you know, just just taking notes, man, watching film a lot more, watching film on, on the future versus watching film on the current. Um, you know, he's he's had that luxury over the past year. So I think that he's probably more prepared than any other coach in this league to go out and, and have a great draft. And um, I'll save my other points for your, for your other questions. <laughs> all right. That's a great point, Isaiah, because he, not only has he been able – I mean, he spent a lot of time looking at the NFL and trends and analytics and things of that nature, but he probably could, could have gotten a peek at the college game too, more so than mm-hmm. a coaching staff that's having to spend 15, 20 hours a day coaching uh, week to week in the NFL. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't worry about that so much. And, and he did say when he got hired that, you know, there's a, there's a knock on Jerry Jones – from people that really aren't in the know that he's he's too involved he doesn't he doesn't involve as many people in in draft decisions but that's really not the case and he said from what he's seen already it's more 
of a voice that he's going to have than he had in Green Bay to what you said, Kyle, earlier about about how that structure was with the Packers. Yeah, so we're shopping for players online this year. I love it. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, is that what, you know, Mike McCarthy in the whole, you know, they, the, the specials that they did on him conduct, conducting the largest fantasy league draft last year in, in Green Bay with his think tank and going over uh, analytics there in his barn in, in Green Bay. He has a lot uh, invested in this and he knows well better than anyone. That's who's available and what's going to be there for the Cowboys. And, and, and you make a great point Kyle about you know his past drafts with Ted Thompson and it's you know these things have been you know everyone knows about how private Ted Thompson was and anytime there was you know any part of that that happened where guys failed or in the draft McCarthy was the guy that was always out front taking the pressure uh, for those things. But here in Dallas, he won't have to deal with that. And so it kind of it, you can't have one without the other. But the pressure is definitely on uh, for Mike McCarthy because he has to hit the ground running uh, with this team. And it's this draft is more pivotal for him than it, than any coach, really, because with what he already has and with the pressure that he's going to have with this polarizing uh, team in the in the Dallas Cowboys, you know that he's again, he's going to have to have some success early I think that success could potentially come but it's not just him that's the thing is a lot of people are looking at this as a Mike McCarthy led draft but there's so many different parties that are involved and we talked about kind of the virtuality of the NFL draft and kind of the the way things are going to work and and there are some updates whenever it comes to the all virtual draft every coach Every GM will have a camera inside the room. That's kind of what we expected, not only for fairness concerns, but also just for media and kind of keeping up with the draft. And apparently those have already been set up by IT professionals around the league. We talked last week about some of the problems that could arise, some of the issues in terms of hackers or just malfunctions in communication. Well, that communication's apparently been solved because there's a dedicated draft line where you could get multiple parties from the same team so you've got the GM you've got the coaching staff on the line with other GMs and coaching staffs on a secure network that you can kind of draft and and have those trades back and forth so maybe it's going to be just as easy as ever to be able to find a way to make a a trade happen but also there's a mock draft expected this upcoming week which is kind of interesting to me and I want to talk about that here in just a couple moments but with all of these moving parts I feel like the pressure is on also the coaching staff, or as well as the coaching staff, but it's also on the scouting department because that scouting department is kind of the only part of this whole thing that has really gotten a chance to look at all of these prospects at a, a next level or even in person type of meeting. Right. That's. I just want to say, guys, that for Mike McCarthy, he's got to be really confident in the infrastructure that's already there uh, for him with Will McClay uh, and Stephen Jones. And that's the one thing that has to give him, you know, help him sleep uh, at night. I mean, when you talk about the difference between Green Bay, where he had player development, guys like Reggie McKenzie, he walks right into a similar situation here in Dallas with Will McClay. And so I just think that if you look over the draft, the, the, the quality draft picks that we've had and you know that going into this draft we're going to have to get the most we got to squeeze that vine and get all the juice out of it that we can because we're going to need for our fifth and sixth round draft picks to actually make the 53 yeah i agree i'm curious i'm curious what isaiah i'm curious what isaiah thinks about it because we've talked at at length about this roster and and while they've done some good job a good job plugging holes there's I, i still think you can look at pretty much any position or most mm-hmm. positions and say, well, they could still use an impact player here, especially maybe a corner or a pass rusher. Uh, and, and to Ekma's point, they didn't, you know, without a first round pick, they didn't have an impact guy really last year consistently. And they need at least a couple of those, I think, this year, if possible, Isaiah, which isn't always easy to do in the draft. Yeah, it's definitely not easy to do. And it's not easy to do with the picks that the Cowboys have um, allotted to them right now, unless they plan on doing some trading um, in the future. But you know, one thing I want to continue to drive home is the strength of the coaching staff. 
And then the strength of the coaching staff is going to is going to put Mike McCarthy, Stephen Jones, Jerry, everybody's going to put them at ease simply for the fact that they don't have to knock something out the park. They don't have to have a knockout draft pick every single time. So this is going to allow for them to to relax. It's going to allow, you know, um, you know, the, the the staff there, the scouting department to do what they do. You know, they've been working on this for the past year. They've been keeping eyes on guys for the last few years. You know, and they've been so they know these guys very well. They know their ups, they know their, they know their down they know their their mental toughness, right? That's going to be another thing that's going to be um, that's going to be attributed to the to this roster that they're going to, have to really identify as guy who's mentally tough, who's going to be able to come into the Dallas Cowboys. First of all, um, you know the heightened media coverage, um, the scrutiny that they're going to be under underneath the, the pressures of a new coach, right? So the mental toughness is more important than just the physical talent to me at this point because you can develop physical talent. Mental toughness takes substantially more time. Absolutely. Yeah I, yeah, I agree with that. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Kyle. Oh, no, I was just going to kind of go off of what you were saying. Also, you, you talk about what the trades that are going to potentially have to happen in order to, to try and kind of maneuver your draft capital to fit those holes and to kind of find maybe some of those impact players that Rob was just talking about. And I think that does add pressure to every, really anything that, that all three of you guys said. I think it adds pressure to the front office because even Heckmo a moment ago, you said that you kind of have to rely if you're the scouting department and Mike McCarthy, you got to rely on the foundation and kind of the infrastructure that's been set for this Cowboys front office. And they're the ones that ultimately end up making the picks. They're going to be the ones that are on that, that draft line potentially trading with other teams what kind of pressure is this some of the most pressure that we've seen on jerry jones and stephen jones moving into draft weekend just with the scenarios that are kind of at hand i don't i don't really think so kyle just because i think Mm -hmm. it's it's the it's the hand dealt to all 32 teams it's it's okay it's not an ideal situation for anybody um and and what we talked about with the coaching staff and, and isaiah makes some great points about the confidence in that group, they're a little bit at, at a disadvantage because of this offseason's uncertainty in terms of getting players on the field. Uh, but from the front office standpoint, you mentioned scouts and front office separately. I put them in lockstep because Will McClay is in lockstep with Jerry Jones and Stephen nice. Jones. They they know what they're each other's looking for, and I think that's an advantage over other teams who have changed front office personnel in the offseason. They, they've got the bulk of their their core front office in place. And I think for a situation like this, they're in pretty good shape. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that's exactly the, the point, you know, having that that solid foundation of, you know, a scouting department that's not going to reach on a draft pick. And so you look at 17 and, and we've talked about this as far as the draft, that those players that they've had earmarked are uh, are gone. You know, what do they do at 17? Do they trade back and do they, you know, go to the you know BPA philosophy? And if the best player available is a center from, you know, LSU or from Michigan? They go there. I mean, I just think that, like you said, uh, Isaiah, they don't have to knock it out of the park with with each draft pick. What they do is they have to have guys that are mentally tough and ready to come in and contribute immediately. Absolutely. Um, and to that point, you know, I always think about whenever I, I hear everybody speaking about the draft and, oh, we got to get these big name players and we got to get these guys going to come in and have a big impact. I think about to back to Seattle. You know, think about what Seattle did back in the day. Um, you know, they're, they're starting to get back to the roots in that in regards to the draft. But Seattle, they never felt the pressure to have to have a big name guy. They just didn't. I mean, think about their biggest name guy they have on their roster right now. They didn't have to do anything crazy to, to attain him, right? They mm-hmm. trusted in their system. They knew exactly what it is that they were they were looking for. They, they identified the mental toughness. They identified the personality. They, and they identified the, the the work ethic of the person. And then they waited for them at their at their proper position. And then they, they grabbed them. So I think that the only position that the Cowboys necessarily have to grab um, in, in terms of talent-wise is that corner. I think they have to go out and get a corner. I think you can't miss on that because you just – it's hard to develop corners. It just, it just is. It is it's just too many, um, too many intangibles that are required, and it takes too much time for a corner to, be a, to go from good to great. So I think if you have somebody that you can go out and grab that's just awesome already, I think you have to go out and grab that person. But in terms of everything else, every other position you have – you have people in place already. You think about the O-line. O-line's been good for a while. D-line, you got a lot of talent on the D-line. Linebackers, you have great leadership there and some young talent that's already been coming up. There's safety, you have a veteran in there. You have a young talent in there. You have great coaching there, right? So you start looking at all these different positions, 
all the positions except for corner really have a superstar in regards. Right. So you don't have to go out and get anything except for you have to be mandatory. You have to get a corner. You hear that, Cowboys Nation? You can't be mad if A.J. Terrell from Clemson or Trayvon Diggs from Alabama is your first overall pick at 17. You can't be mad about it because you got to trust the system, right, Isaiah? Absolutely. Coming in and <laughs> spitting the fire immediately. I love it. Now, really quickly, just before we get out of here, we got about a minute and a half left. I mentioned the mock draft a little bit earlier, and I just think this could be the f- – I-, I wish I was a fly on the wall. Let's just say that because – with a mock draft the week before an actual draft, it's not like your fantasy draft where you do mock drafts with other people. These are going to be the same people that you're drafting with. And then you're going to turn around you're going to have a mock draft. And this is all for technicalities and trying to figure out the IT. What kind of bluffing is going to be made in this mock draft? And then also what picks are going to be made there that are not made whenever – actually next Thursday comes around because I think that's one of the most intriguing things out of this whole testing process of trying to get the virtual draft ready. A lot of bluffing. It's <laughs> a <laughs> so mock draft. It's going to be a lot of bluffing, man. Yeah, I mean, are they going to make them make actual pick mock picks or are they just going to say, hey, pick X, you know, or something yeah. like that? Uh, I, I hope they I'd would. Bluff, I, I'd bluff the hell out of it if I'm just. Uh, <laughs> see, I think that'd be so funny just to, to bluff everything up. The, the oh, the Bengals are taking two a first, and then the second pick, the the Redskins are going to take Joe Burrow, and then it, all of a sudden it's all thrown off, and it's all crazy and and kind of crazy from then on out. But I, I just was wondering if they were actually going to make picks. But Rob, you make a good point. I bet they're just going to go with X and Y and just different values here and there. But uh, that is going to do it here for Talking Cowboys. Special thanks to Isaiah Stanback joining the crew for the first time today. Glad to have you, man, and, and can't wait to talk to you again soon down the line. I appreciate it, man. Glad to be part of the crew. Absolutely. So for Isaiah Stanback, for Rob Phillips, for Heckma Harrison, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long here for Talking Cowboys. We'll see you next week. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!